0: A rolling, rolling all along the highway. Wheels that keep a rollin' all the night and day. Singin a song of the men
1: behind the mortar trucks, a song of safety and service all along the way. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Attention all podcast listeners, this is a final boarding call for all classic pickup truck fans travelling on virtual flight number CP454 to an international garage somewhere in the world. Please ensure your beer fridge is adequately stocked and the volume is turned up. On behalf of the pilot and crew, we would like to thank
1: you for choosing to fly with us. Welcome on board. Episode 18. This week I caught up with Peter Brothers. Peter lives in uh, Hastings, which is sort of Hawke's Bay area in New Zealand. So I've been trying to get a Kiwi on the show for a little while because it's great hearing all the Aussie stuff, but it's it's also interesting to hear what goes on across the pond. Pete had a really good chat to us about his build and the hoops that he has to jump through in New Zealand. And, and it was interesting just to hear things, how different they are between here and uh, and New Zealand. And, and a lot of things are quite similar as well. So really enjoyed this chat. Uh, Pete's beautiful truck that he's building and i you know really look forward to seeing more pictures of that thing once it hits the road he's he's very very close to his engineering approval as you'll hear him tell us so enjoy this podcast it was a it was a really good chat so peter thanks for joining us on the podcast mate how are you today oh, I'm very well it's great to be with you thanks for the invite no no pleasure pleasure now um we'll do what we normally do we'll we'll take you back to the start so uh i I doubt that there's a whole lot different in New Zealand than there is in Australia as far as growing up as a young bloke and learning a bit about cars. But what what was your first automotive experience and, and what sort of launched you into this uh, the road that you've taken? Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, certainly cars
0: are a big part of growing up here. And um, I didn't grow up in a car family as such. Like uh, the old man's not a, a hot rodder or anything, but certainly in high school I got bitten. With the bug pretty pretty hard so yeah i just remember sort of around that 16 mark you know uh coming into what we would call school c which is your sort of first set of serious exams just having my eyes on a uh ideally a mark one escort but ended up with a mark 2 tutor escort as my first pass so that was kind of what started it all off really so yeah started started off as a as a Ford man and still have a a few of those that I would uh, I would own, but certainly have switched over more to a uh, a GM flavour. But yeah, that was probably the the first one, the Ford Escort. Yeah, going back on the the GM side, uh, we had a uh, the classic golden HQ. I think it was a that no, was a Belmont, and uh, I remember as a young fella, there's a a picture that I've got that the old man gave us at my 21st, and it's kind of spread out you Know kind of almost starfished on the front bonnet of this uh HQ with a sponge in one hand and a big smile on the face, giving this old uh big bear we used to call it, giving the old big gear a wash. And so, yeah, cars were always
1: something that I uh gravitated to, but um, yeah, been good times. Yeah, that's cool. Was it um, my best mate in school when we both first got our license? He had an RS escort that was a wow. bloody weapon, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had. He had that, and I had a, a V eight Fairlane, and we used to race each other off the lights. And he'd he'd always get me off the lights, and then I'd get him by the time we got somewhere down the road. So it's good <laughs>
0: fun. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool.
1: So what what would have been the first car you bought was it an Escort. Yeah, the Escort. Yeah, I had a Mark
0: II Escort, and then um I was going through going through Escorts for a for a while there. I was desperately trying to get my hands on a couple of two liter two-litre converted ones, but at the time, the folks weren't so keen on a, a young fella having a, a too powerful a car, so they kind of squashed that. And, um, yeah, early on, it was fours and, fours and rotaries. I had a RX3 sedan at one point there, which was a, a real nice car. You know, we've all got that uh, list of cars you'd love to own again, if you could, and uh, that would certainly be one of the ones right up there as well. So, yeah, I owned, owned a whole range of different cars, uh, always looking for something different, something more. You know, pour heaps of money into it, um, get it how you like it, and then sell it for nowhere near what it owes you, and then start all over again. You know, um,
1: seems to be seems to be a pretty common theme with young collars. Yeah, it's a bit of a sickness, I think. Yeah. So is is this is this C10? Is that is that your first pickup? Uh, yeah, it would be. Um, I mean, I had
0: uh i suppose what you and i would call Ute. so i had a i had a couple of hq Utes. i had an hd Ute with a 355 v8 in that but as far as as far as us go or pickups go yeah this is my first pickup i've had um a number of impalas so i was into 64 impalas in a big way so i had a few right hand drive four doors and i had a couple of um coupes i had a nice 64 ss coupe for a while um, 64 wagon. So yeah, I was into Impalas for a long time, and uh, yeah, had a had a break from cars for a little while, just in the the family stage, I suppose, when um, we made some changes work wise. And so there's probably a period of eight or so years where there wasn't really anything spectacular or desirable in the in the home. But um, yeah, the last few years we've been in a position to get back into it, and so picked up yeah, picked up the Chevy. So that was um that was cool.
1: Yeah, and so you got a 64 C10, so it's a short bed. Did you buy that uh, there in New Zealand or did you import it from the, from the States? Yeah, no, I imported it from the States. Um, I had a guy locally here who sources cars.
0: He had a 66 uh, long wheelbase. It was actually a service bed truck. Um, he'd done the deal over, over in the States on it and I'd put down a deposit on the service bed And so I was kind of waiting for that to come through. I'd been looking for a few different trucks. I'd had a couple checked out, and as I'm sure you'd know, the idea of what Americans consider a vehicle having no rust and what we consider a vehicle having no rust means is um, drastically, you know, vastly different. So I'd had a couple. I'd had a couple of previous ones checked out, and they were just no good. So, yeah, I was waiting for this truck to come in, the service bed, scouring Facebook as you do different groups, and this, this short bed truck popped up, and it was, um, I think it was Friday here, so it would have been Thursday there, it was in Las Vegas, and just it had only been up for a couple of hours, just jumped on jumped on it, and um, phoned, phoned the guy who I had to deal with and just said, hey, you know, this service bed, I kind of thought, like, I'm pretty committed to it, and I wasn't going to muck him around, but... If there was a way to get out of it, I was certainly gonna be pretty keen. And uh, yeah, he just said, Oh look, hey mate, if you want to swap and you wanna go with that one, I've got a brother in law basically in the same in the same state, he can go and look at it for you. So yeah, long story short, we um I put a put a deposit down on the truck. His brother in law went and checked it out and I wired him the money. He did the transfer of papers, paid the balance of the truck, and I think I saw it like friday here so thursday there the brother-in-law went and saw it the next day and it was on the truck from las vegas to california on the monday so yeah it was uh, a few months in the making but once we found it it literally all just fell into place and ended up with a far better truck than what i what i started looking out for so now nah, i'm stoked yeah that's awesome
1: and uh, are we allowed to are we allowed to talk? prices? Is, is there anyone listening that's not meant to hear anything or no, are you happy to share? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm happy to share the, the, the I'm happy to share the purchase price, probably not the total. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My wife and I sat down and uh, actually just the other week, uh, funnily enough, and she squared me up and said uh, so so what is this actually, um, actually costing? Like, what are we up to as far as the total goes? Um, and so she hit me pretty straight. So we had the we had the pretty uh, frank and open conversation around that. But um, yeah, that's probably not a conversation that I'd rather have more than once. And she's probably the only one that I need to have it with. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as purchase, what did I pay? I think I paid, um, was it like 14, 14 grand US?
1: Yeah. And that, is- that was a running, running, driving truck?
0: Yeah, yeah. Running, running driving, 64, short wheelbase, big window custom care, so yeah I, I think you'd probably be you'd be well from what i've seen around now you'd you'd be struggling to buy it for that now you'd be you'd be probably in the in the eight closer to 18 mark from what i've seen at the moment
1: i i think you'd struggle to buy one the minute that went on facebook now they're so they're so hard to find as a short bed everyone's cutting the long beds down now so yeah yeah so how, how long ago was that that you actually purchased the vehicle Two thousand. It's funny, actually. I was looking at it. Uh, Two thousand and seventeen.
0: So I've had it yeah. uh, in August of this year. I'll have owned it for three years. So it's gone pretty fast. So most of that, most of that year that I bought it was spent, you know, Craigslist, Facebook, um, yeah, just scouring, scouring Craigslist daily. You know, just um, on the hunt.
1: And so, so what was your experience with uh, with shipping it over? Did did you get given a bit of a, a quote on what it would cost to get to your door from LA, or did you know that sort of figure? And did it turn out to be that figure, or did you get a few surprises?
0: Yeah, it was no, it was it was good. Like we had, um, like I say, the guy um, that brought it over. He, he's in the Chevy restoration business with parts and stuff. So he's got a he's got a store based out of Auckland. Um, this was the previous guy, Chuck. Um, that I dealt with, and so he was importing stuff, filling containers, and bringing cars and parts and stuff through. And I found him really good to deal with. Um, the price he gave um, and the service he gave was great. I paid the brother-in-law direct over in the states for his kind of contribution, and then everything else um, I paid um, I paid I paid Chuck direct. So he handled all of the importation. You know all of the you know the math, the, the fumigation, all that sort of stuff. He he took care of, and then basically got um, got the call to say you know the trucks arrived. You can come pick it up. Yeah, that was a mission though. Far out. What a what a nightmare. We um drove up so from where I live to where the truck is is probably about a five and a half hour drive. So we I don't know it was just a mission trying to find a trailer trailer wide enough. That it, already, it had already it had a bit of a a lowering kit put in it, so it was sort of a three five um three five drop kit front and rear. And so that put the sills lower than most trailer sides. So trying to find yep. something wide enough and something where the sills weren't going to get bashed, you know, all the way back. So he finally found this trailer, dragged this tra- <laughs> dragged this trailer all the way up and got up there and literally pulled the uh, pulled the tailgate down of the trailer and and unbeknownst to me where the where the trailer door came down there were two bars on the inside of the trailer which basically held the indicator lights and so yeah. those those so I'd, I'd measured the width of the trailer
1: inside uh, yeah. the
0: inside and i measured the height of the trailer inside to inside but it wasn't until we took the, took the back tailgate down that we could see oh, mate, you're not you know what i mean like literally a couple of hockey posts a couple of goal posts sitting right at the back of this trailer so it didn't fit it didn't fit. And we ummed and and we came close to whipping out the angle grinder and cutting the suckers off. But in the end, we bit the bullet. And uh, I think that was another 900 bucks to get the, the truck transported down through a kind of a specialized freight service that wasn't going to leave it sitting out in the middle of a, a paddock for, you know, middle of winter. I didn't want it sitting in, the, in a yard or sitting somewhere where it was going to be pilfered or vandalized. So yeah, that was a bit of a rough a bit of a rough start getting the thing back home, but um, yeah, we got there. Put I
1: tell you what, that first first time you see it sitting in the shed is a good day. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I've never imported a truck, but it uh, would be so. The the waiting game would be the hardest part because you just you know like you'd be following it on the tracking and where is my truck and yeah. So so what was involved? You know, at, at that stage, pretty straightforward to just get it registered and on the road in its current form when you had it here. Yeah,
0: so um, I mean, I knew I was going to do some modifications to it, and I'd I'd heard kind of two schools of thought. You know, one is obviously get the truck in, modify it, and then put it through. Um, But then there was another school of thought that said, you know, get it get it legal and get it get some plates on it first, and then go through the modification stage. And so I chose to do it that way. And then for the the initial part, it was just standard stuff, really Um, steering arms, bushes, brake hoses. Um, you know, uh, just some wear and tear type items. Um, there was yeah. no, there was no rust of any sort that needed to be dealt to. The the biggest challenge probably was your seat belts. I don't know whether you guys have to do three point lap belts, um, but that's a requ- that's a requirement here, um, and so that has a certification associated to it. And so yeah, it had to be certified for the belts, and then as a result of that, they go through the whole truck as part of the certification. So yeah, that wasn't wasn't too bad but it's um yeah, is what it is. But um yeah we got it so we got it got it legal, got it all sorted and um drove it for a little while. And then
1: all the while ticking over in your brain.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want it lower, I want it faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to I don't want it to you know, I want it to look like an old truck, but I don't want it to drive like an old truck. So yeah, it was running a a fairly stock three fifty a power glide, drum brakes, front and rear, you know, pretty, you know, very very standard apart from apart from a slight set of lowering springs. Yeah, so we decided to I came across a, a guy that's got a similar uh, similar truck that he was kind of doing a next sort of next step modifications for his truck. And so the initial plan was to buy basically all of his previous stuff. And so he had a he had a truck that was built in the States and that's running cut lower control arms and um, airbags and bits and pieces and, and he was going to be going to a, a full chassis and so there was all that stuff that was going to be purchased and ended up some changes happened he, he changed plans and um, ended up buying a whole front uh, GSI independent front from him and that sort of really started the you know started the ball rolling we started pulling some parts together I had a trip in um, 2018. To the states with uh, my family and part of that, we spent some time in california and went and um, caught up with reno and went and had a look through the acuia facility and met a few of the guys around there and picked up some picked up some parts we went out to brothers and bought a whole set of rubbers and but you know whatever i could jam into the suitcase at the time and the rest of it we just you know um pulled together a bit of a list of all the, the the bits and pieces that we thought we were going to need, and and set about set about getting a container of stuff in and getting into it. So that was um sort of the end of 2018, and then we sort of got into the pull pull it down stage, sort of 2019, January 2019. We um yeah pulled it all apart down to chassis
1: and and made a start. Yeah, cool. So I obviously um, at this stage most of our listeners are Australian, but we we got listeners all around the world. Give us a bit of an idea on, on how does the how does the engineering work in New Zealand? What what sort of how strict is it and, and what sort of compliances and things like that do you have to go through for uh, for getting that done? Yeah, I mean it's it's
0: incredibly strict really, I think. I was aware of the certification process. So any sort of significant change here if you change your um, brakes. Uh, if you, I think it's if you increase your power, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not a, an engineer myself, so I'm only going on what I've been told, which may not be 100% accurate. But I remember hearing at one stage, if you were increasing your engine power by 20, more than 20%, that was going to require a certification. So if you went from a, you know, 1.8 to a 2-liter, or you went from a, you know, 2.53 to a, a 308 or something, you'd be um you'd be all right but yeah so there's there's all that sort of side of things um so i was expecting i was expecting a certification type scenario but when i changed the independent front that's when things got a whole lot a whole lot more involved and i didn't i didn't have any idea what i was getting myself into really so we have a certification process which is you know which is the brakes and airbags motor so there's certifiers that can do that sort of level um compliance so they they can they can sign off at that sort of level but once you start going to either scratch built builds or you start replacing you know independent front suspensions then it goes to what we call the tac and so that's the technical advisory committee of our our government's side of things and so filling in the pages like I've, i've literally just got the got the application back last week and i'm stoked when i got it back uh it's 92 pages so that's that's what all the submission the contents has come to so when we first filled it out i think it was about 60 pages that we submitted um the level of detail was quite staggering they wanted to know the make and the model and the part number of your upper ball joint of your lower ball joint um they wanted to know they wanted to know the, the composition of your brake pushrod pedal, you know, what diameter was your brake pushrod pedal. And so that sort of detail was not at all what I was expecting. I had to have a full set of um, full set of CAD drawings. Well, they didn't have to be CAD, sorry, I'll take that back. But they, they want a full set of drawings to show your geometry. And just so thankful to Scott and the team at GSI, they, they just came to the party and really looked after me with, you know, with the legit uh, the legit specs. So yeah, there was quite a bit involved um, with the process, and then obviously once they've had a look at it, they make an opinion on basically what you're doing and if they don't like it, they don't like it, and you've got to change it. Um, there really isn't there really isn't a pushback it's um it's not face to face it's five or seven guys I think that are around the country that take on, take on different roles and they meet once a month, you submit your proposal, they tell you what they don't like. Um, and what you need to fix, and then you come back the next month and tell them how you're going to fix it. And then if they've got any other questions, they come back to you and then you wait another month. So yeah, it, it's um a challenge a challenging process, and um, it certainly taught me a lot of patience because I'm not a very patient guy when it comes to things that i I want to do. Um, I like solving problems and like getting things moving, and having a having a process that was um, yeah out of my out of my control was certainly challenging
1: yeah especially i mean so you pulled the bed off this at you know january last year so it's been 18 months since you've driven it and going through all that and then just to answer one question you got to wait a month That that's a bit frustrating i suppose but
0: yeah yeah it is, it is what it is
1: yeah it is it is what it is and and i understand the
0: guys are doing it um you know it's not their paid job you know they are volunteering they're of, of, often running their own Businesses. I mean, some of them would be paid, but I think the majority of them are volunteers doing it for the, you know, the benefit of the hobby, which, you know, which is great. And so you've got to understand, I suppose, as well, that they're, you know, they're working within their set of rules as much as we've got to work within our set of rules. So um, I'm sure no one's, you know, I'm sure no one's, I'm, I'm sure everybody is a, a bit frustrated about
1: the process at some, uh, at some point. Yeah. And is uh is that set of rules is that new zealand wide so if you're on the north island or south island it's all exactly the same
0: yeah yeah exactly the same yeah so there's no we don't have the 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 differences between like you guys do within you know victoria or queensland or new south wales
1: or whatever um yeah it's just the same the same set of rules um for everybody and and it still gets registered as a, you know, 1964 Chevy pickup truck, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you put your hair out sometimes about how strict it is here, and and the same for you is, you know, how hard it is to get stuff done. And, but then you look at some of the rubbish that gets built in the states, and yeah. And I'm personally glad that that stuff's not driving around the road coming at me at 100 k's an hour. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So. So let's let's run through a bit of a list of of what you've done. So the truck's an original paint patina. Is it a green or a grey? What? Yeah, what would you call it?
0: Oh uh, yeah, it's sort of a yeah a teal a teal color. So it's sort of a bluey a bluey yeah. green color. Yeah, yeah. So it's um yeah white roof. It's got the the the, the sides the side stripe the white custom uh, custom cab custom chrome side stripe. Yeah. So we've um, I'm not I'm not a fabricator. So when I say we um there's certainly massive chunks of it that i haven't had a <laughs> haven't had a hand in i guess I know i've probably been the difficult one to work with in the sense of that I know what I want it to look like um and i'm sure for somebody who's got the the skills and the creative ability to have someone tell them what they want them to do is probably annoying that's that's just me and I want the truck to look and and be how I want it to be so we just um get on with it but so yeah we've uh, yeah. stripped it down to the chassis um we've Put a um, uh, we've put a, a C notch in the rear, so fabricated some rear C notches. Running a Panhard bar in the rear, uh, four link. We've put a rear Boyd's fuel tank. Uh, it's running AccuAir CVT, um, and E level. Uh, all the front, all the like I say, all the chassis been boxed. The custom the crossmember has been um, sectioned, and we've added um, some exhaust cutouts to get the exhaust through the the centre cross-member of the frame. It's running the GSI um, bag front setup. Same specialties bags, front and rear. 350 Chev, 350 Trans. Yeah, that's probably the main.
1: Yep. CPP brakes on it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually running
0: Wilwoods now. Um, I've got um, Wilwood discs front and rear. I started off with CPP, um, and the reason we changed, we had to make a change of spindle. So part of this TAC process, they uh, didn't like uh, they didn't like the bump steer adapter off the kit and wanted uh, wanted that eliminated. So we had to make some changes by raising the rack and pinion, uh, swapping out a spindle that would take a, a steering arm. So rather than having your you know your typical CPP spindle which has got your you know cast steering arm as one piece, we had to swap out to a um, we actually swapped it out to a height. Pro spindle, and that had the ability to take a machine steering arm. So we, um, I had a, a guy locally. Yeah, he's a legend. He just really, yeah, really helped massively in the build. Um, just designed a steering arm, and then we put it back to a, a factory Ford tie rod. So essentially, raising the raising the rack and pinion, taking out the bump steer uh, adapter, going to tie rod, and then dropping in a, um, a, a steering arm which brought the geometry back. Um, that sorted the bump steer adapter, but it created a a flow on effect problems and as far as what we'd planned. Um, the rotors that we had from CPP no longer no longer were compatible with a spindle and then going into the spindle the only the only brakes that were compatible for that spindle were a willwood uh, and then the only uh, the only stud pattern the Wilwoods made for that spindle were a five stud uh, and so we were running transit. Uh, six stud 22 inch wheels so yeah one change in spindle meant uh brakes front and rear were changed uh at new axles in the rear um new wheels new tires so yeah it was um yeah one small change made a massive massive difference so um
1: yeah yeah and that, that that stuff that you just can't preempt can you
0: no you just don't you just don't know and you know like i say when you're dealing with a process that goes a month at a time, and even the guy—I mean, the guys that I've um, been fortunate enough to help with the build—you know—they're some of the—they're some of the best at what they do, you know, in the country. But you just don't know what you don't know, and until you—until you come across a problem, you know, you just—it literally—it literally, it literally was—we'll just see how that goes, you know. It's like okay, once the—once we got to the stage of the rotors not fitting, you know, that just seemed to be i think that basically was the, the point where i just got to the stage of like well hey this thing hasn't gone to plan as far as we thought and in, in so many areas now and you know i can either get excuse me i can either really get you know pissed off and bitter about it or or we just gotta we just gotta pull through and just get this thing finished but man it gives you appreciation and understanding for why there's so many projects sitting in people's sheds unfinished day it's like that last that last 10 percent trying to get this thing finished is um if it wasn't for the amount of coin that was sunk in it uh yeah it could have been quite easy <laughs> yeah, i could yeah. have quite easily just dragged it back home and put it in the shed too but no, nah, we needed to get it finished and and we're pretty committed to seeing it done so yeah
1: and have you have you managed to sell those parts off I, I imagine there's plenty of guys around looking for 22 inch steelies or whatever yeah yeah i've just started to
0: list them and i've got a bunch of guys that are inquiring about it so yeah that's the thing i eh? having it i mean most of the guys pulling trucks across some, I suppose, are, are fortunate enough to be able to put all the parts in the back and do it in one hit. But most of us are piecemealing these things together as, as sort of the funds allow. So yeah, no, I'll, I'm pretty confident I'll get those moved on
1: in the next little while. So Yeah, that's awesome. So your engineering went in and it came back. Yeah. And was that when you found out about this stuff and had to swap it all around? So, so how many times have you gone back and forward now with the engineers? And, and when, when do you get the final tick? Um, so we've probably gone back about six or eight times
0: in the last, well, sorry, six or eight meetings, but some of those meetings have been multiple conversations. So I'll say, for example, okay, we want to see a, a drawing around the bump stop. You know, where is, where's the bump stop going to be? You know, what are you planning to do around the bump stop, right? Because over here, we we can't have a vehicle that goes lower than 100 mil. Um, and, yeah, we're the same. Yep. Okay, yeah. And so... So yeah, so there's got to, there's got to mechanically be a measure in place that should your airbags fail or whatever um, that you can legally legally and physically be able to get that vehicle off the road. and so they've set that at hundred mil. So there needs to be a a bump steer bracket, a bump stop bracket rather that puts a, a stop over the bottom arm essentially and limits the travel of the suspension. So we would submit a meeting um, requirement and say, "This is what we're planning to do," um, and then the answer would come back, "Oh, well, we actually we need to see where on the arm it's going to sit um, because the load could put too much, you know." And so then you, you kind of think you've got it, you know, and then and then you find out, "Oh no, they actually need more more details." So so yeah, it's 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 just a learning process, and it's just one of those one of those things. The challenge is when you know when the person that's got the rubber stamp. Once it's done a certain way, there's no point throwing your toys out of the cot because you're not going to do yourself any favors. It's kind of, um, you know, thank you for that. Appreciate that. We'll, um, <laughs> uh,
1: yep. Yeah, we'll. And is is that the only way for you guys to do it? Because like he, here in Australia, we would we look up an engineer and contact them and say, look, I'm looking at doing uh, a build of a 64 C10. Um, I want to airbag it. Blah blah blah. Um, that engineer might say, oh, look, I. I don't really deal with airbag stuff, not not my bag. So then you go find another engineer and the engineer's like, yeah, no Rose, do this stuff all the time. And then, you know, you can call that guy anytime, any day and say, all right, j- just come across this issue, what can I do? And shoot him a couple of photos or or even go visit him. You can look at your truck. Do, do you have that situation or, or not? Yeah, we do. So, so, for example, the certifier we're using, he,
0: he's based out of town, but he comes through. And and they'll do preliminary inspections, so they'll want to see, uh, like when you're doing your chassis, they want to see the bare welds before they're um, painted and covered. They want to see the top and bottom, so you can't, you know, you can't go putting your cab back on until the certifier is happy that you know he's inspected your weld. So so there is that sort of process. But interestingly enough, the the place that's just done my chassis, they went through a certifier. And this is where it's weird they went through a certifier who boxed the chassis exactly the same as how they did mine and it, it passed from the certifier and and was put legally on the road but because mine had a change of independent front it then goes to the tac and so the tac essentially tell the certifier what they you know can and can't do um, so so we have a you know we can get a list of all the certifiers and they might have a an A, B, C, D, and that's not how good they are, but that's you know the level of engineering they can sign off. So just like you said, you know, some guys will do you know coilovers and airbags um, and all the rest of it, and some guys might just do you know adding extra seats to the highest van, you know, and putting seat belts in the back and calling it a minibus. You know, that might be the extent of their sign off capabilities. So you find a guy. You find a guy who's got um, the ability to sign off your bags, but then when you go to the TAC, they came back and said they'd really like to see some K-bracing K and chassis stiffening. And so because mine had been exposed to a higher level of uh, scrutiny, they then were able to say, well, actually, we'd, we'd like this done. And so even though we'd built essentially the same chassis on the same truck and had it legally approved to go on the road, it's kind of like the more the more scrutiny you get on the build, you know, the more requirements that you have to get the thing done. And so we had to make we've had to make a few changes to some of the chassis bracing, and had to put in a, a center, you know, chassis uh, chassis stiffener, which is a pain because now we we're going to have to pull, you know, pull the cab off, pull the tray off, you know, the engine and the engine and trans has to come out because where they want the chassis bracing to go. Is going to mean we're going to have to weld the IFS in now because we're not going to have access to the mounting bolts. So we're talking motor and trans out, you know, strip the IFS apart, grind the powder coating back, weld it all, weld it all in, box, you know, box over those um, mounting plates, and then motor, trans, cab. So it's um we're almost we've almost had to build the truck twice um, is probably the reality of it by the time we've had to change the brakes and wheels um, and do all of the additional chassis stuff, yeah, we've literally built it twice. So, yeah, pretty um, yeah, pretty challenging to go, you know, sort of two steps forward and then five back at times.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds like a really frustrating system that you have to deal with. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you didn't have that GSI um, IFS in the front, you wouldn't have had to have gone to the TAC you, your engineer certifier would have probably certified it, and you would have been right to go.
0: Yep, correct, correct. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's just it's just the the criteria that they put around uh, replacing significant parts of uh, vehicle infrastructure. So if you're replacing yeah front or rear cross members or, or significant you know significant changes like that, um, they they've got a real yep. thing around front end geometry and bump steer. They hate hate bump steer and a, a pretty Pretty particular around what they what they will let
1: pass and what they won't let pass. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go, listeners in Australia. We don't have it as bad as you think we do. <laughs> I just I just hope that by the time I'm finished, it makes it,
0: the the challenge of how it uh, how difficult it is to get done makes it worth makes it worth a whole lot more because uh yeah, it's not a not a a um
1: not a feat for the faint-hearted. That's for sure. No. Nah. Well, I- that first drive will be be very sweet, no oh, doubt. Oh mate, I'm so looking forward to it. And and hey,
0: beside it all, you know, I mean I still consider myself just really blessed to be able to build essentially the truck of my dreams and to be able to put, you know, heart and soul into it. I haven't done a lot of the fabrication side of it, but I've spent, you know, hours under that thing with a grinder and I've, you know, pulled the majority of it apart myself in the shed and, you know, whatever I could physically or skill, you know, skill level uh do you know i've done and i suppose the only upside you know to try and look at it in a positive light i'm certainly going to end up with a far better truck than i started off building and yeah you're right just that um
1: that first drive i'm um yeah i can't wait can't wait Mm. that'll be really impressive so i do have a question on the on the whole hundred mil bump stop thing so is that something that you know obviously you rock up at a show you want to lay lay frame in the grass and look all great so are they are they, do they know that you're going to remove your bump stops so that you can lay frame or or how does all that work yeah i suppose
0: i mean because essentially the bump stop is is threaded you know is threaded into a into a i suppose a box section or a steel steel bracket of some sort we're we're still deciding how we're going to how we're going to do it because the other challenges that we've designed the frame to lay on a 22 inch rim and now we've um when we've replaced the wheels i've actually gone to a slightly smaller diameter at a 20. so we we might have to raise excuse me we might have to raise some of the rear bag brackets on the disc re-fabricate a, a slightly higher bag bracket and one of the things we're thinking about doing is possibly running a um like a spacer, like a solid, a solid steel spacer under the bag, rather than a rather than a back a bracket on the arm. So we're not entirely yep. sure exactly what that's going to look like yet because we don't know what the difference in the wheel size is going to do to how we've designed the frame to lay. But certainly, if it's if it's easily able to be adjusted, that would be beneficial because you're right. You you know you know you want to be able to pull up somewhere, and I mean certainly if you're going on a long trip, you know you, um, having that having that back up on some of our roads we don't have the um the the beautiful highways and freeways of uh some of our us brothers uh you know um aussie roads kiwi roads are pretty brutal so you know so some of those potholes will take no prisoners so yeah having a contingency on some of these roads is probably not a bad thing but certainly you know at a cruise or at a show or you know um you know down the local square or whatever you know to be able to drop it in the weeds is certainly the certainly the goal
1: yeah i mean you've you've probably spent upward of 20 grand just to be able to do that yeah way upward of 20 grand to be able to do that we'll just say 20 (laughs) yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah let's call it 20 yeah 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 it's interesting yeah because i i mean i i'm not an engineer and i don't have an airbag truck so i don't know exactly what our rules are here in australia but having spoken to some guys who who i know used to do it in the mini truck scene they they would have a situation where if the handbrake was on, then you could lower it to the ground. Yeah, yeah. And then to drive away, you would have to raise it back up to your 100 mil before you could release the handbrake, and then you'd be able to drive the vehicle to pass our roadworthy or our engineering. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that 95% of the guys, the minute they get that tick of approval, that thing just gets thrown out and they never use it again. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know you know, if, if any listeners are listening and, and they want to send me a message and explain how we get around it in Australia, because, you know, there's there's a lot of guys now starting to bring this GSI stuff in or or they're bringing Portabilt, you know, and, you know, that's obviously pretty important because you do like, I, you know, the amount of times I've had a cop roll the old 100 mil roller underneath my car to make sure that there's nothing hanging underneath and, and you know, you don't want to build all this stuff to lay frame and then have have this bump stop that's permanently affixed. that's kind of a bit of a pain in the ass
0: yeah 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 it'll be interesting to see how it goes i mean i think because i believe acuia they their ecu for the australian market was different wasn't it because of your handbrake rule so i'm pretty sure the ecu for their or the Accua ecu for the aussie market had a built-in handbrake component to it ours ours does need to be isolated in motion so there is a there is a rule there where um, you're not you're not you're not to be able to function your uh, your earbags you know and, and they just they determine it in motion. I don't think it's um, connected to the handbrake as such it could be in some instances but yeah so but there's a few guys that have isolation type switches that they can use for shows and scenarios where they want to have that flexibility.
1: Yeah yeah, oh, that's cool. Um, another question I was going to ask you you know you've got um, some AccuAir equipment on your vehicle. Uh, (laughs) I do. So it's, it's no, it's no secret that currently that business is no longer. Yeah. Did you, did you get any communication from them at that point as a, as a customer to say, look, this is what's happening. Uh, we're not going to be able to provide you with, with any of your warranties or we don't have any spare parts being manufactured anymore. Has there been anything like that? Well,
0: no, I, I, and and I wouldn't have expected to in my case because I sourced all my gu- all my gear through a local supplier. So they, they yeah. essentially were my, my retailer here. So yeah, so AccuAir probably, you know, they wouldn't have any idea of me in their system. But yeah, certainly that was a big, yeah, quite a shock when I saw, you know, I suppose like everybody in this forum who's uh, in the airbag side of things, you know, would have seen the the post come up on Instagram or Facebook, and I think it was—I'm pretty, yeah—it was April the second because I remember thinking, you know, this is this is a, a, a poorly timed April Fool's Day, and because um, it just seemed so unbelievable. But um, yeah, it certainly certainly um, did change things. I did I did pick up a few extra parts. I I didn't get another ECU, which I which I would have liked to have put my hands on. So if anybody here has got a an R10 ECU they can reach out to me and as long as they're not trying to do a um horn blasters
1: and hike it up by 600 percent I could be keen yeah it'd be nice to have that just sitting there just just to be sure wouldn't it yeah yeah it would yeah I mean you know I know this has been talked to about a hundred times um by everyone probably but so someone's got to pick it up pick the technology up and and run with it you know I just can't see they're so far advanced yeah to what anyone else was doing. You know and it's it's not just the truck scene i mean those things are in porsches they're in absolutely. every any car absolutely yeah
0: yeah and that's what you that's what was i think so surprising in the sense of what i would consider the market leader in air suspension um 18 years i think they've been around And yeah like you say every car show i mean there's some serious there, there's some serious high dollar cars running there running their suspension so yeah quite a surprise and yeah, massive, massively ahead of the competition, in my opinion, it would be, yeah, it would be insane for it not to come up again. So, um, yeah, hopefully someone, hopefully someone picks it up. Like I say, I picked up a few, yeah. a few spare parts. But uh, yeah, I, on top of all the coronavirus lockdown, I think that was probably the, the single most other, uh, other area over the coronavirus that that. Uh, Gave me the anxiety was the, <laughs> the developments around AccuAir and the the, the consequent uh, implosion of various CBT tanks and so um, I'm just uh, yeah really hoping that we've got a good one and we're going to be we're going to be gone. so I suppose it's like anything eh if you get if you get good news you know good news doesn't travel anywhere near as fast as bad news so I'm sure there's a good a good chance things are going to work out okay so we'll. I certainly know it's been installed properly and it's um it's been treated and handled by someone who knows what they're doing. So if it was me that's done yeah. it, I probably wouldn't be um, holding my breath. But um, thankfully, we've got some good some good heads that are working on it.
1: Yeah, and and you're right. Like it, it if you you bought an AcuAir system, you put it in your car, you drive it around, it's great. You don't jump on all the forums and tell everyone how wonderful your AcuAir system is. Like it's yeah, it's the one time it that, it that it doesn't work. That's when you hear about it. And yeah, yeah so. So even, you know, people that leave reviews, I mean, some people leave good reviews, but but it's not normally the reason you get back on a website. You get on there to bash them and give them a bad review. So yeah, it's hard yeah. sometimes to really, really yeah. know what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, so so once once this is all ticked off and, and you can do it, do you guys have a – have? so we have like what we call a historic or a club rego set up here in Australia where you join a club and – the vehicle has to be roadworthy condition and then you get a, a club registration which for us is you can either get 45 days or 90 days a year and it's it's quite cheap it's about 100 bucks a year or something like that do you guys have a similar thing no we we can
0: basically register it in fact we get a a discount for a classic vehicle so i think once your vehicle's over 40 years or something um you can you can register it real cheap um basically once you've got once you've got the uh, War Under Fitness, which is, you know, I guess the equivalent of what you guys call, I think, a roadworthy or something over there. Yep. So you, once you've got your War Under Fitness and Rego, yeah, you're, you're good to go. So I think we pay, uh, I think it's about $100, maybe, even, might, might even be under $100 for a year's registration, um, and that's not yep. limited to any day's travel. Let's just drive it as much as you want. Just normal. Just normal, yeah. Yeah, so you can just, you can just go for it. Yeah. I know the only thing where there can be some limitations is around our insurance. I know some of the classic car policies, they'll have they might have a stipulation for insurance that just says that, you know, you've got a you know, you can only drive it for however many days. I can't remember what it was now, but I think some of the classic policies have got a stipulation that just say, Look, you know, we're insuring it as a um, a unique vehicle that recognises it's not going to be on the road, you know, seven days a week. You know, fifty-two weeks yeah. a year—that's the only requirement that I can think of. Otherwise, yeah, just get in and go
1: for it. Wow, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, we we have to like you have to before you even drive your car, you have to fill in your logbook to say, oh, really? Today I'm driving. Yeah, today I'm driving my vehicle. Write the date down, and then you go for your drive. And if you don't do that, say you were just like, I'm just going down the milk bar, you know, and yeah. you just drive. And if a cop pulls you over and you don't have your logbook filled in, then you're in strife. Whoa. I mean, so, I had no idea it was that stroke. Yeah, yeah wow. it is. Yeah, wow. But, but it's you know like normal rego for a normal car six or seven hundred dollars. So to be able to do it, you know, only a hundred bucks, and you're you're only going to drive it because most most guys, if it's not your daily, you're probably not going to drive it ninety days a year anyway. So it works out all right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's only you know there's only fifty or something weekends, fifty two weekends isn't there, and um, you know, you might do the odd mission on a on a summer sometime, but it's uh, oh, that's
1: cool. Man, a logbook—that's pretty yeah. really intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well, the nanny state over here, mate. We got it all. Um, so you, you did the big trip to the states with the family. You said so. Did you go to any shows? Did you do SEMA or any of that sort of stuff, or you know, go to a Good Guys Show? I would have loved to, but we were when we were in the
0: states. We were there bang on uh, Christmas New Year, so we came. We came in sort of like the twenty. 21st of December and then got out at about the 7th or the 8th of Jan so pretty much everybody was right in the midst of you know Christmas and family holidays so there wasn't really any shows running as such I, I tried to get hold of um I, I was hoping to try and find a, even just a cards and coffee or something you know in California but yeah I think everybody just basically was in, in, in Christmas holiday family mode so I didn't see anything like that but um caught up with a caught up with a couple of guys but was hoping to get to to dino's this year for the 10th anniversary but um much like yourself i don't think our borders are going to cooperate with a um with a trip to the states this year so pretty gutted about that i was pretty um pretty set to get across there for the for the anniversary
1: it would have been a would have been a killer show yeah yeah that's um yeah it's frustrating it's yeah, i don't know when we're going to be able to get on a plane I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon no
0: or if you or if you are you're going to have to you're going to have to be able to have the capacity to have 14 days quarantine when you get back and who's yeah. got who's got time to go away for two or three weeks and then have another two weeks when you get back you know that's a fairly big ask for most um most employment situations
1: yeah, it doesn't doesn't fit my uh, back balance. I can tell you that <laughs> for sure. Um, what else was I going to talk to you? What about car clubs? Are you are you a member of a car club? Do you guys you know do you get together and do a thing or how's how's that scene looking? Yeah, um, I'm not a member of a I'm not a member of a club. Although I do have a couple of guys that I know that are um,
0: in a local um, street rod street rod custom hot rod type club, um, and that's a pretty big club in our area. They have an annual show, and I've attended that a couple of times they they actually had a couple of years ago um pickups was the the theme vehicle for their for their main show so i was able to take the truck along there and there was some some nice nice trucks there that gathers um a crowd from sort of central upper lower north island so quite a quite a good reach it's quite a long-standing show but now i'm not part of i'm not part of a club as such these trucks are gaining popularity so there's a few guys that are building Building stuff. I, you know, I keep in touch with a couple of guys around the place that are building different things. Um, you know, a couple of guys down in Christchurch have got similar vehicles. Another guy in Auckland. Um, and there's some pretty killer, a pretty killer trucks around the Auckland area. Um, some real nice, couple of nice, '72 and a '69. I don't know if you guys have you seen, have you seen um, Pariah Custom Works '72? If you haven't, if there's some Aussies Aussies listening that are keen to check out some uh, some nice Kiwi trucks. Um, pariah custom works has got a killer uh 72 c10 it's a six liter twin turbo truck um, that's a running running front and rear that's a killer truck um, another guy adam Coates, got a beautiful 69 yeah running a uh suspension as well and and then uh, low fast famous he's got his uh square body 79 stepper that's um, i think he's Version 3.0 on his build, but um, you know, sunk some serious coin into that, and it and it shows. It's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful job. So, yeah, I mean, those, you know, and there's a few other, you know, I mean, I you go somewhere to pick up something, and oh, yeah, I've got a 66 at home, or I've got a 64 at home, and you know, you see the guys that are importing stuff. You know, there's a um, as I'm sure there are in Aussie. You know, you've got the guys that are buying stuff out of the states and shipping it in. You know, either for customers or for themselves. And just the volume of, you know, C tens and pickups that are coming through now. You know, it used to be, you know, Mustangs and Falcons and you know, um Camaros and Firebirds and, you know, all the sort of G body and, and impala type stuff, but now you now it's not uncommon at all to see, you know, square square body C ten or a sixties C ten or a something. So yeah, they're certainly growing in popularity. We have a um a show in Taupo, um, uh, which is probably only about an hour and a half from here, it's, they call it Laid Out at the Lake, and that's a kind of a mini mini truck and full-size truck car show. So that's probably the closest truck show that we would have here in New Zealand. There's some big shows up in Auckland, but they would have sections sec- sections of shows, you know, like big, big swap meets and big park up type shows. But from what I know, Laid Out at the Lake is kind of the... The main kind of mini truck and full size truck show, and I think the full size stuff is starting to just grow year upon year now.
1: Um, starting to have quite a presence around the place. So yeah, exciting times. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's the same here. You know, we don't we don't really have a, a truck specific show yet, but but there's um we're working towards that. And uh, yeah, I mean every time I go to a, a big rod run or a big show, you know, the, the, every time you go, there's more trucks and Mm. And I, I definitely know, you know, just from when I was in LA dropping my, um, my engine off to ship it back, there was just probably a hundred vehicles that were lined up to be shipped to Australia and New Zealand. And, and so it's just an ongoing flow of, um, of stuff over here, which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another, another Kiwi guy I've been chatting to on Instagram a bit. Um, his name's, uh, what am I here? Nick, Nick Klaus oh yeah and uh yeah yeah if you I, I don't him, i don't know him but man that guy's a magician with feel from what i can see his work is impeccable so i mean i follow him on instagram he's at n-a-k-i-j-a-k yeah nakijar klaus anyway great stuff man that's yeah that's really cool to to chat and, and just to hear how different it is you know you i would probably think it would be really similar for some reason i don't know why we're different countries but um you know we are we're brothers in arms Come on. and all that so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so if if you had your time again let's let's go back to you know truck lands on the on the shore uh, and uh obviously you'd take a bigger trailer to pick it up that's the first thing yeah. you'd change yeah, definitely um, definitely what, what what would you do different mate what do you think you you know like i know it's been you've had some sort of Real spanners in the works, but would you do much different or, or are you getting the truck you want i am getting I am getting the
0: truck I want
1: and i and I think you know at
0: times you go when when stuff goes wrong you look for someone to blame you know you're trying to find okay who's responsible who's you know who's done this you know who's made this worse but really at the end of the day it's 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 something outside of the framework of a lot of a lot of people and a lot of stuff that people thought would happen didn't i'm pretty methodical so i i kind of thought i had the recipe down um and i suppose that's the that's the challenge really isn't it you're taking you're taking an american recipe and trying to trying to put it into a you know a new zealand um a new zealand mold and the recipe and the mold just didn't it just didn't produce the same result that's really what it came down to and i think you know the guy one of the guys that's helped out with a lot of the um manufacturing stuff he's built a um, built a sick Camaro, and so he's he's really a, a wizard when it comes to geometry and steering. And so he's he made a good comment. He said, you know, you just got to get over the brain damage of the first one and do it again. You know, you said, you know, you, and you do. You just learn. You learn so much. So yeah, what would I do different? I would probably work out the stuff that's a necessity. I think where I got stuck was I I, I felt like I was coming to a close, and so you would go out and splash out on a few little treaty bits, you know. Yeah, and, and and the really the non-essential stuff is probably what's stretched it out a little bit. You know, you think, oh, cool, I'm coming to the end here. I'll go and buy some, you know, some real trick hood hinges, you know, because, um, you know, that'll be that'll be sweet. And then you find out, oh, mate, I've got to go and buy all new disc brakes and all new wheels. And you think, oh, I probably didn't really need those hood hinges. You know, I probably could have just put up with, <laughs> you know, put up with that. So I think probably the thing that I would have learned is you know prioritize the essential stuff and then leave all of the non-essential stuff until you've got the got the sign off you know you can go back and change hinges later on you can you can change the you know the fuel tank easy enough later on the other thought was just out you know do i Alice? you know that was the other thing was man i'm going to all of this expense, and it was you know again i just i just had to say look the Alice is just another whole you know, another whole ball game. You you know, you're talking you know new dashes. You're talking you know fuel pump stuff, wiring looms. You know, sumps. I mean, you look at the price of the motor and trends, and you think oh, I could pick up an LS one. I don't know what they're worth over here, but you could pick up an LS one out of a Commodore. You know, full, you know, front to rear um, for about three and a half, four grand. So you think, oh man, three and a half, four grand to go LS, but you don't realize it's probably going to be you know twice as much again just to get in and running and so um that might be that might be version 2.0 down the track who knows
1: <laughs> yeah you never you never stop thinking about what you want to do yeah yeah no that's, that's great mate well look hopefully someone else can listen to this podcast in new zealand and and um and learn a few things and and maybe they'll uh they'll shoot you a dm and, and get a bit of advice and yeah i more more than happy yeah, and if anyone wants to, to follow your work and have a bit of a look at your your truck and that sort of stuff, so you're uh, on on Instagram, you're at C10 Kiwi. Yep. Pretty easy. Yep, at C10 um, Kiwi. Do you, yep. Do you do Facebook stuff or? Not really. No, nah, all my truck stuff is on
0: it. All my truck stuff's on Instagram. That's just that I find it the easiest platform to to use hmm. and share. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on board. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah, it's a beautiful truck and, and I you know, I look forward to seeing seeing you post photos of you driving it. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to getting a different perspective of uh what it's had in the last uh, last eighteen months for sure. It it'll drive so much better than what it did, you know, we've, we've probably not the best appropriate uh static drop on an old suspension system. I I think you're gonna find it it really rails.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes and um yeah, but um, hey, mate, I'll, uh, we'll have to keep in touch if um, I'm ever over your way, if there's ever a show or something I'm coming over, I'll look you up, or who knows, we might bump into each other at Dino's if this corona thing ever settles down.
1: No, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Bye, mate. Thanks for your time. Okay, thanks heaps. See you later. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, Even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.